0: This is a long one, so we better get right into it. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. I love what Derek Kidner says here about this senior servant. He said, This chief steward is one of the most attractive minor characters of the Bible, with his quiet good sense, his piety and faith, his devotion to his employer, and his firmness in seeing the matter through. If he is the Eleazar of chapter 15, verses 2 and 3, His loyalty is all the finer in serving the heir who has displaced him, almost as John the Baptist to his master. I like that. Listen, I understand that in the late 20th century, a lot of evangelical preaching was excessively moralistic. You know, we read the stories in the Bible as if they were a narrative version of the seven habits of highly successful people, when in fact the Bible is ultimately about fallen people, a gracious God and a generous Salvation. I understand that. True, 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 true. But we are supposed to learn from these family stories. The Apostle Paul said, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. So there is a pedagogical function to these stories. They are teaching us and showing us the way of faith. This is a narrative version of Proverbs 3 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. That's what we see in this story. That's what this chief steward does. And it is not wrong for us to appreciate and admire his example, particularly if he is, as Kidner suggests, the servant who would have inherited had the child of promise never come. He does not seek to sabotage the plan. He is happy to serve the child of promise. This is a good example, and this is a good story. Verse 5 goes on to say, The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Now, One of the reasons that it is important for us to read the book of Genesis is because it introduces so many of the themes that dominate the entire storyline of the Bible. Just like it's hard to follow a movie if you miss the first 10 minutes, so too it's hard to follow the Bible if you don't read the book of Genesis. Everything is introduced here, and we see here introduced one of the most important themes in the Bible, the theme of godly marriage. Abraham knows that the Canaanites are on a downward trajectory into sin and rebellion that will eventually lead to their judgment and destruction as part of the exodus and conquest. God told him that back in Genesis chapter 15. So Abraham doesn't want his son to be connected in marriage to a person walking on that road. That is very wise. Old Matthew Henry says here, Note, parents in disposing of their children should carefully consult the welfare of their souls and their furtherance in the way of heaven. Now, parents today probably don't have as much influence over who their child marries as they had in Matthew Henry's day, and they certainly don't have as much influence over the process as Abraham does here. But the principle remains worthy of our attention. Parents... Use whatever influence you have to steer your children towards relationships that will further their way to heaven. Even today, parents exercise influence over environment. Notice that Abraham does not want Isaac to go back to Mesopotamia, lest he be tempted to stay there. It was, after all, a far more civilized and prosperous part of the world And he also didn't want him to go among the Canaanites for a wife, lest he be tempted to follow them in their sinful ways. Abraham here is a very wise parent. And once again, let me remind you of what the Apostle Paul says. He says, these things were written down for our instruction. So I think wise parents should pay attention to the good example that is being set here by Abraham. Do what you can do. Use whatever you've got. You know, spend that currency in order to steer your children in the direction of a mate that will contribute to their spiritual progress. The text goes on to say in verse 10, Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Now, as I said, this is a really long chapter, so we can't linger anywhere for very long. But notice that the servant devised a test that would allow him to discern both the involvement of God and the character of the young lady. Once again, just one more reason to love this minor character. Verse 22 says, When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel, and two bracelets for her arms, weighing ten gold shekels, and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master." As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. So the servant sees the hand of the Lord in all of this, and he sees the character of the young lady. So he gives thanks to the Lord. Verse 29, Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, And heard the words of Rebekah his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say he said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has." My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son From my clan and from my father's house, then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, Please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camel's drink also. So I drank, and gave the camel's drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, who milked aboard to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, we should say a word here uh, about all of this repetition. You will notice that in biblical narratives, huge swaths of text will be repeated word for word, two or even sometimes three times over the course of a story. The reason for that is that this was a largely oral culture. You might hear these stories read once a year. So there were parts of the story where details were repeated. This was intended to help you memorize the story so that you could repeat it on command. Always remember that these stories are meant to be heard more than read. The Bible is essentially auditory. It is the external word coming to us from outside of us. And so the stories are written... Not so much to be read as to be heard. And that's just important to remember. Verse 50 says, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing is come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us for a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. By the way, just, just a quick word here. But the consent of the bride was commonly required in transactions like this. Sometimes the uber-feminists in our day like to speak of the oppressively patriarchal traditions of the ancient world, but some of that is exaggerated. In, In many cultures, parents worked to arrange marriages that they thought would be in the best interests of the child, but the child was given the right of refusal. To be specific, the girl here is given the right of refusal. This was a common feature of the law in this region at that time. Rebecca saw in these events the hand of God and she consented to be a part of the program even to the point of agreeing to marry a man she'd never set eyes on. Rebecca is not a mindless pawn in this story. She herself is a woman of faith. Verse 60 says, And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young woman, women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negeb, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw. And behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, the veil in that culture was a symbol of betrothal and marriage, so Rebecca puts it on to meet her future husband. The marriage was a comfort to Isaac and a means of producing godly offspring. We'll talk more about that in our next episode. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you've appreciated the end of the word ministry, I'd like to personally invite you to pay it forward by supporting one of our preferred mission partners. For the remainder of this year, we are highlighting the church planting ministry Mile One in St. John's, Newfoundland. Newfoundland is classified as an unreached population with less than 2% of people identifying as evangelicals. Mile One Ministries is committed to helping healthy churches plant other Bible-believing gospel-preaching churches. Here at Into the Word, I only promote ministries that I have first-hand, on-the-ground experience with. Mile One is bearing fruit and is being led and stewarded by people that I know and trust. If you'd like to make a contribution to this important ministry, you can do that by visiting the Into the Word website at intotheword.ca.